this will be part number five of our sermon series through the book of Acts. Uh, the Acts of Jesus Christ through his apostles is what I like to call it. Because it is the Lord Jesus who is causing these men to, to do what they're doing through the, the power of the Holy Spirit. And we've dwelled a lot on how uh, the early church began and, and all the, the things that we can look at at the early church and model ourselves after them. Uh, last week we talked about Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost and we looked at the, the uh, model sermon, if you will, all the ingredients that was needed that Peter preached to cause people to, for the Holy Spirit to convict their hearts, for them to realize what they'd done and, and that they were sinners, they needed uh, something done. And they, they asked, you know, what, what must we do? You know, what can we do? And uh, he'd tell them they need to repent and uh, then be baptized. And so we uh, saw the effect of that. Over 3,000 souls were saved that day, the Bible tells us. Uh, what a wonderful thing that must have been. And so tonight we pick up there in verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. And uh, Lord Wilm will finish out this chapter. There's only a few verses left all the way through 47. And uh, we're going to look at uh, really um, they continued steadfastly is what I've titled the message. And we're going to kind of focus on that portion. But as I've said all along, I want us to uh, realize the importance that this is to the church. And uh, I've, I've placed great emphasis on what God sees about the church because it's the, it's the greatest institution on the face of the earth. Uh, Jesus, it's his church. He, he founded the church. He's the head of the church. And we're the body of the church. And so everything that he tells us about his church, we need to be aware of. And uh, we need to see when we're not doing what he says we should do. And, and uh, we need to also pay attention to what we are doing that, that is right and continue doing that. And so that's part of this tonight as we start there in verse 42, Acts 2 and 42. We'll go ahead and read through 47 then, and then expound on the verses individually. Uh, Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 42. The Bible says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word tonight. I'm praying now that you help us as we try to expound on this text, God, that you'll receive the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I like that word right there, steadfastly, steadfastly. You don't hear that said much anymore, but it actually means firmly with constancy or steadiness of mind is what that word means. And like I said, I tiled this, they continued steadfastly. So think of it, if you will, these early church members, and that's what they've become. They're all members of the church at this point. Of course, it's the church of Jerusalem uh, right now, which will grow exponentially. Uh, it will multiply. The Bible over and over and over tells us that they multiplied. They multiplied. And so uh, that's exactly what these first century believers did. They were constantly devoted and attentive to the gospel 
and all that it entails, the apostles' doctrine, the Lord's doctrine, what Jesus you know, said before he left here, what Jesus gave the apostles to tell them as they would preach and teach them. And, of course, they had the Old Testament they could rely upon. They had the Old Testament, the books of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. They all had that, or at least their, their leadership had it, and they were able to hear it read. Uh, most folks back then didn't have their own individual copies of, of the Bible or uh, the Old Testament or what they had available to them. Uh, they didn't have the privilege that we have. We can run down to the Dollar Tree and get a, a Bible now for a dollar, and uh, it like nothing, you know. But uh, those people back in that day, the Word of God was so precious to them. I mean, they only got to hear it when they'd come to the temple or when, you know, a man of God or a teacher would get up and he would, he would teach. Of course, they tried to hold all these things in their heart and, uh, and memorize Scripture. There's not much of that going on these days. Uh, but they didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have lexicons or study Bibles, commentaries. They didn't have the Internet. I mean, you know, the Internet can be good or bad. Uh, if you use it for good, I mean, there is just so much information out there that you can get uh, when it comes to the Word of God and uh, the help that you can get, uh, understanding some words and, and phrases and things like that. There's a lot of resources. But they really, they had three things re to rely upon. The Old Testament Scripture, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, of course, and don't don't overlook that. That's very important. The guidance of the Holy Spirit and the Apostles' Doctrine. Now, the Apostles' Doctrine, which the Bible talks about, is a doctrine taught exclusively by the Apostles from their first-hand experience and knowledge of being uh, with Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit has revealed things to him. Even after Christ ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit reveals things to the Apostles about the Lord and about his doctrine, and that's what is referred to as the Apostles' Doctrine. And they held very closely to what the Apostles said. I mean, they held on to every word. Uh, and it, just as scripture said, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer. So they were busy. This early church, they were busy and notice they were all together. They were always together. Uh, they didn't just meet on Sundays and Wednesdays. Uh, they met continuously. The Bible tells us that. Uh, down in verse 46, it said they did this daily. They met together. And, you know, it's pretty sad when you can't get the average church member to attend church for two hours a week uh, when the, the early church met daily, spent all kinds of time together doing things, uh, studying the apostles' doctrine, fellowshipping together, breaking bread, and uh, praying together. Uh, what a time that must have been. You know, we look around and see the modern-day church and wonder why it's, you know, crumbling down everywhere around us. It's because people have no desire to continue steadfastly and so I believe that's one of the big problems today with, with most churches. And so these folks, they spend their time learning about the doctrine of Christ, having fellowship with one another, breaking of bread. Now that could, that could mean they ate together or it could mean they observed like the, the Lord's Supper together. And a lot of times that, that is what the Bible's referring to when it talks about breaking the bread. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it's not given to us the exact times that we're to do this. Uh, to have like a communion. Some people call it communion. I call it the Lord's Supper. That's what I've always called it. But uh, it's not given to us in the Bible how often we're to do it. It just says as oft as you do this. And so you could do it whenever you wanted to. I like to do it uh, regularly. I think it's an important thing and, and it causes us to remember what Christ did for us. And it's a very solemn occasion as well. 
I'm not one of these that think you ought to treat it just flippantly. And people, you know, they just act like it's nothing, no big deal. You know, give me the grape juice and give me the cracker. You know, like, no, it's a very reverent, holy, solemn occasion. I don't believe there ought to be anybody talking during the time or even after it. Uh, I'll, I'll, te- I'll preach on this sometime so you guys understand exactly my feelings on it. But I'm giving you a little bit of that, bit of that tonight. Um, one of my pet peeves, which my mother passed down to me, is during the Lord's Supper, people would take the, the juice and they would drink it and then they would slam it down in that little cup holder on the back of the pew. And it just, oh, it just run all over my mother. She'd just get all tore apart. And it kind of handed over to me. And so now I'm sitting there cringing, uh, you know, after we drink the, the cup, wondering who's going to slam that little cup in that, in that holder. Uh, but I do think it ought to be a very solemn occasion. And so these folks, they were breaking bread together. Uh, and praying together. What, when's the last time besides church that you prayed together with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's few and far between these days that we're praying with other people. You know, you may go to a restaurant with friends or something and, and pray, you know, before you eat. I hope you do. Uh, me and brother Jonathan will go out and I, we, we fight over who's going to get to pray over the meal. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's rare that you, you pray anywhere anymore unless it's, over a meal or you know at, at supper breakfast and lunch and all that stuff but uh, with each other uh, it's rare but the first century church they certainly did that and uh verse 43 it says and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles that word fear right there it's not the fear you you, you feel when you're frightened it's not when somebody, you think somebody's in your house creeping around at night and you're like, oh, somebody's broke in. It's not that kind of fear. Uh, the Bible, what it's speaking of is more of being in awe and reverence of. Uh, all the wonders and signs that were being performed by these apostles, and the, and the Bible talks about it, it says wonder, many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And we're going to look at several of them here as we go. Uh, but they were in awe of this. This was unusual. This was not something that just went on in their everyday life ever before. But now that the church has been empowered and the Holy Spirit is filling these men and they're, they're filled full of these signs and wonders and, uh, they were in awe. And so that's why it says fear came upon every soul, uh, as many wonders and signs. And so I want to look at a few of those. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but in Mark 16, 15 through 18, we see that uh, Jesus actually uh, commissions them to do certain wonders like this. Mark 16 and 15, it says, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. There's one. They shall speak with new tongues. There's two. They shall take up serpents, there's three. And uh, if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them, there's four. They shall lay hands on the sick, there's five. And, and they shall recover. And so the Lord says, I'm going to in, in stow with on you gifts that you're going to be able to do. You're going to be able to cast out devils, speak in, in new tongues, take up serpents. Uh, if, if you drink something that's poisonous, it's not going to kill you. Uh, you're going to be able to lay your hands on the sick and heal them. And so this was apostolic power that uh, that God had given these men. Uh, we're going to see many signs and wonders and miracles throughout the, the book of Acts, in fact. 
such as Peter healing the lame man in Acts 3, 6, and 7. It says, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And we, of course, we all remember that, that great story. I mean, sitting there by the temple as people ushered in, you know, begging for alms. And here comes, you know, Peter and, and John, and he's begging for money. He said, we ain't got any money. <laughs> We're like every other preacher. We ain't got no money. And so, uh, but I do have this in the name of the Lord, you know. Uh, rise up and walk. And so the Holy Spirit, God has given Peter the ability to heal this man. Lay his hands on him and, and heal him. As soon as it says he lifted, took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Uh, further down in Acts 5, 12 through 16, the Bible says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all in one accord in, on, in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them, and believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks of them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. And so multitudes of people, when they've heard about the, the church, the church, the empowered church, and all the signs and wonders done by the apostles, they said, get everybody, everybody that's sick, everybody's got a problem, everybody that's, you know, uh, needs to be healed, bring them out. And there were so many that, of course, Peter couldn't go and touch everyone as they went about. It says they just put him in his shadow. So Peter walking down the rows of people, just his shadow casting over them, and the Bible says they were all, they were healed every one. Now, you, you you better believe you're going to be in fear and awe and wonder when you see things like that happen. I've never seen that happen. Um, in Acts 9, 32 through 34, the Bible says, And it came to pass as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And there he found a certain man named Annas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, Annas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole, arise and make thy bed, and he arose immediately. Uh, so, yeah, uh, many, many signs and wonders done by the apostles. And so I believe we would all understand being in fear and, and awe and wonder about uh, what's being wrought here by the apostles. And it's through the power of the Holy Ghost. You know, these men, uh, you know, I'm not going to say they weren't special. They were special because the Lord picked them. But they were average, just everyday men that were empowered by God to be able to do this. All right, look at verse 44. Back in Acts 2 and 44. And all that believed were together and had all things common. I love that right there. All things common. Uh, wouldn't it be great today if today's church and each member had all things in common? Now, I've made the comment many times when I've came here to preach about how uh, I find like-minded people here. Uh, I have been in some churches where people are the opposite-minded of me, <laughs> and it is not a good place to be. Uh, but the church, uh, church people, uh, members, uh, the body of the Christ, we should have all things in common. There shouldn't be little breaks and chisms and, and uh, groups and things uh, like that. Uh, we should all be together and have things in common. Uh, why else, though, 
is there a church every less than every half mile? Do you know I got on Google Maps last night, and I did a five-mile radius from where I'm standing right now. I did a five-mile radius line on Google Maps and looked up to see all the churches within five miles of this church. I quit counting at 100 in five miles. Do you know you can throw a rock and hit another church back here from the parking lot? (laughs) Uh, So why do you think it's like that? Well, it's because people don't have all things in common. I mean, they get upset over the least little thing. Um, silly things, you know, the color of the carpet, the what, which hymn book you use, uh, you know, somebody looked at me funny. And, you know, churches just split and everything. Now, I'm not saying every church split has been a bad one. Some, it's, it's probably been a good thing. But uh, churches, you know, um, there are so many of them. If everybody would come together and have all things in common, you wouldn't have to have every little tiny church on every street in Knoxville. <laughs> Uh, what we need to do is just fall in love with Jesus and then everything else would take care of itself. If we would do that, we would find we wouldn't have all these problems that goes on in churches these days. I know a church is split up because somebody put a red light in the steeple. Somebody said it looked like a, a, how, a floozy house or something like that and it just got everybody in the whole church tore up and uh, split because of a red light. All right. Verse 45, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Now, I want you to pay attention there. The Bible just said they did that. It didn't say the Lord told them to do that or the apostles made them do it or forced them to do it. It said that they and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. It didn't say they were compelled to do it. They just wanted to do it. Uh, there didn't need to be any kind of commandment like that because these early believers, they had the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians five twenty two through 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And so these early believers, you better believe the fruit of the Spirit was real in their lives. And uh, they they saw somebody in need, they helped them. And I believe every believer ought to exhibit these fruits. I don't think we've all, we've got, I don't think people have different fruits. I think we have them all. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And so we have them all, or we have access to them anyway. We have the ability to exhibit these fruits of the Spirit. Um, I think as a 21st century church that we should be doing the same things as the 1st century did. It's my firm belief if a member of this church is in need, I don't care what it is, that the church should help them. I've always felt that way. If there's a person hungry, if there's a person in need, a person that is just uh, having all kinds of problems, then the church should be the first one to step up and say, how can we help you? What can we do? And we shouldn't even have to ask. We should just do it. If you know somebody's in need, somebody's hurting, somebody's got a problem that, that can be taken care of, I think it just needs to be done. And so, uh, you know, the early church, if there was a burden on somebody, they made sure that it got took care of. And, uh, you know, if I, it, the thing that would break my heart the most is to think that a member of a church that I pastored went to bed hungry or couldn't afford their groceries, or couldn't have their if their lights were turned off, and they couldn't didn't have electric. It would just absolutely kill me. And so uh, that's not going to happen. All right.
It's not going to happen. Verse 46. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. We see from this verse that these early believers, they continued meeting in the temple as well. Um, The temple was their customary place where they went to uh, gather for prayer. They would go there at 9 o'clock and 3 o'clock every day. And uh, uh, there were standard times of worship for them. And it was to go to the temple. But they not only continued going to the temple at their uh, appointed times there, but they also met with each other in houses. They met in each other's homes. Uh, The early church did not have a a nice building like this. They met wherever they could. If it was on the side of a river like Lydia, the seller of purple, where her people met on the side of a river, whether it was in a home like Peter's mother-in-law's house, wherever it was, uh, the early church met together from house to house. They went around Meeting. That's what it said in verse 46, breaking bread from house to house. So, you know, where are we going to My My mom had this uh, progressive Christmas tradition she liked to do. And we would start at one family's house and eat a meal, and then we'd go to the next one, eat another, or it's courses, I guess. Uh, we'd eat, you know, like a main course here and a salad here and a dessert here and all that. And so we'd go to each other's house. By the time we got to that last house, we were all just about to die. I'm I'm telling you. Uh, but I can just see the early church, you know, uh, wondering which house we're going to go to this time and going over there and going to brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, and they would sit together and they would eat and worship and pray together. Well, I tell you what, that, that must have been just so wonderful, wonderful. What it would be like to uh, to experience that today. Nowadays, you can't. people don't want you in their house. They think you got COVID. Verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Well, because of the love and the joy that these people had, it it got attention from everybody else. They started looking at these church members and seeing how happy they were, how content, how well they took care of each other. Sorry. Uh, Peter sound like Porky Pig talking. Uh, But... The world around them saw this. And what they were seeing was the joy of Christ in their lives and the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. And they, uh, it says they had favor with all people, not just the church, but around them. And I believe the church ought to have favor with the community. It ought to have favor with people that look in from the outside and see us. We ought to have favor with them. They, they should, we should be known as, as you know, gentle people, kind people. Uh, willing, you know, to, uh, to give or to talk or, or whatever, you know, uh, meet with them. They should be able to see the church that way. They shouldn't see us as their enemy. You know, a lot of times it's easy to look at the lost and the world and, and look at them like your enemy. You know, you're not one of us and kind of want to push them away. But in fact, what we need to be doing is trying to, to show them the love of Christ and introduce them to Jesus and tell them about the gospel and uh, you know see their lives changed through the Lord. But these believers, they had uh, all things in common and favor with all the people, and the Bible says the Lord added to it. Um, there's no arguing, arguing or bickering back and forth. People got along and was in each other's company, and if churches would do that today, it'd just be a wonderful, wonderful place. Um, 
I like that part where it says, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. It didn't say, and Peter added to it, or John, or the apostles added to it. It said, no, the Lord added to the church. Don't let that slip by you. It's a very significant statement that we find in the Word of God. And the so-called church growth experts and the gurus, they overlook this fact. And they've got this whole list of ways that you can grow your church. You'd, you'd be amazed at the emails I get from places Tell, you know, pastor, how to grow your church, how you can do this, uh, grow your church in 90 days, you know, 30 days of this and that. And they've got all these programs today. You know, they want to fly you out to see Rick Warren out in California. Let him tell you how to grow a church. <laughs> oh, boy, I'll tell you. The fact is the Lord is the one who builds the church, if it's a real church. The Bible says in Psalm 127 and 1, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. You know. And uh, that's why Peter or Jesus told Peter in Matthew 16 and 18, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Jesus is the one who builds the church because it's his. It's his church. Now, sure, we could use the world's ways and means and methods to try to get people in the, in the seats, you know, and I've seen a lot of that, that go on. Uh, you could pack pews and have manipulative worldly methods you know, try to uh, get somebody in. But what good's that doing if they're just filling up a seat? Is that is that our goal? To see how many people can sit in the pews? Is that the goal? I think the goal is to be more like Christ. Our goal is not to see how many people we can pack in the pews. Well, it'd be wonderful to see a packed church house like it used to be in the 70s and 80s and all that. Yeah, I know. That was wonderful. Uh, times have changed. But uh, our focus is not on how many people. Our focus is on how closely we resemble the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, you know, if, uh, if we're doing the world's ways of doing things, then I don't believe God's in it. Um, if you're just, you know, wanting, uh, here's, here's another pet peeve. I'm almost done, I promise you. <clears throat> Somebody posted on Facebook yesterday. Y'all remember the, uh, the old, you probably had them here at one time, the old uh, Sunday school boards, the attendance boards. And it told how many people were attending in Sunday school, how many people were here last Sunday, how many, or how much was in the offering, how much was in the building fund, how much was in the offering last, last week. We had these boards up on the walls. Every Baptist church I've ever been to used to have that. Somebody posted on Facebook, do you remember the, the boards that used to be in church? And everybody's, oh yes, oh that was when church was great and all this going on and on and on about those boards. My mother used to come home and eat over supper and talk about uh, the numbers on the boards and, and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, what in the world? Why are they wrapped up in how many people there were and how much money is in the bank account? If that is the only thing... The last church I pastored, that was one of my first orders of business. We had those things, we took those things down because people were coming in and sitting and looking at those boards. That's what they were doing. And I could see them sitting back there. Oh my goodness. I remember when that board said 220 in Sunday school. Yeah. And so they've got their mind, their focus on that. And then we had some people come in. Uh, that were trying to look for money and they looked on the board and there was like $40,000 in the building fund and you could see them licking their lips. And that's all that's good for. That's, it's for the world. Those boards were for the world. And so the best thing that ever happened to any church is to have those boards took out. Anyway, if I didn't make you mad, I'll keep going. 
But the church is not a house of entertainment. It's, it's a house of prayer. It's not a house of merchandise. It's what the Lord Jesus said. You don't buy and sell inside the church. It's not what it's for. And so as long as we're following biblical principles and remaining true to the apostles' doctrine, which is, by the way, the Lord's doctrine, as long as we're doing these things, the doctrine of Christ, then the Lord will be the one that adds to the church as he sees fit. And so what we do is we conform ourselves to the likeness of the Lord Jesus and the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ is what the Bible says. And when we do that and we resemble Christ more than we do the world and the world's methods and means, then the Lord's going to add to the church as he sees fit. And so that pattern is repeated throughout the book of Acts. In Acts 4 and 4, it says, Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. And so you, you keep seeing the church just, wow, growing like leaps and bounds. And notice the Bible said, them which heard the word believed. It didn't say them which played upwards volleyball believed. Or them that sat through a rock and roll light show believed. No, it said those that heard the word of God and believed. Heard the word and believed. So it was the power of God preached through the word of God. And that's what brought folks to Christ, and that's how the church grew and multiplied. In Acts 5 and 14, the Bible said, And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. So the example the Bible gives us for church growth is this He is the one that adds the church. That we do our part as the body. And uh, if we just do that, I think everything will be all, all right. Okay, well, we're going to stop right there. We'll pick up next time there in chapter 3, Lord willing, uh, where Peter heals the lame man through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the Bible study tonight. Lord, I pray it's been helpful. Lord, I pray that uh, you always find us in your word and in your will and in your way. God, that uh, everything we do, Lord, is according to how you would have us do it. God, not to look outside of the church at the world's ways and methods and means and just to try to fill a pew, but God, we're wanting to share the gospel with the lost and dying world. God, that uh, we're a city on a hill, Lord, a shining light, God, not one to hide it under a bushel, God, or in the darkness, but Lord, to shine that light of Jesus all over this world. God, help us do that. Lord, may we be faithful to you. Be ambassadors for Christ. Help us, Lord. Thank you for these that's here tonight. Lord, thank you for their good attention, Lord, and their faithfulness to the church. And God, may you be lifted up this week. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And amen.